This week, let's talk about some marketing truths that bear repeating again and again, which actually means we need to bust some marketing myths that just won't go away. This week, it's just me and the mic, and this is episode 293 of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This podcast is all about marketing your business and growing your business and for talking about all things finance. I'm Roger Edwards, a consultant, speaker and trainer from Edinburgh, helping you keep your marketing simple. Hello and welcome to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. Thank you, as always, for downloading or streaming the show. I really do appreciate you taking the time to plugging me and my guests into your earphones. Well, it's just me and the mic this week. And do you know what? I'm looking out of the window. Crisp, clear blue skies, but absolutely icy temperatures. It is minus eight outside here in Edinburgh. It is so cold. And with the cost of living crisis... We're keeping the heating down, so I've got a nice big thick fleece on. I'm sure a lot of you are feeling exactly the same. I want to talk this week about some marketing truths that bear repeating time and time again. But actually what that really means is there are lots of marketing myths that we continually need to bust. And these are marketing myths that I've been hearing for the last two decades. It's finally time to try and bust these myths, lay them to rest once and for all. And that's the subject of my last podcast for 2022. Let's focus in on some of those marketing truths. Let's go. Marketing truth number one. Marketing is so much more than just advertising. Yes, the myth is that marketing is the same as advertising, that marketing is just advertising, or that marketing is just communications, marketing is just promotions, marketing is just social media. Now, to a certain extent, the digital marketing revolution is partly responsible for this perception that people have that marketing is just about advertising, that it's just about promotion. Now, let's face it, digital marketing has been a remarkable move forward. It's made marketing available to people with small budgets, whereas before, marketing was really available only to those with colossal budgets. Digital marketing is focusing on promotion on a digital medium, the internet, websites, social media, video, podcasts, that sort of thing, content. Because digital marketing tactics have been so successful, it's made a lot of people specialise in those areas of communication. And because people have specialised in those areas of communication, we've sort of lost the bigger picture. There's been so much talk about digital marketing tactics that we've forgotten that marketing is a wider discipline, embracing strategy and indeed other forms of marketing communications, like TV advertising, which some people say is dead, but quite clearly isn't. Have you ever watched the interval of the US Super Bowl? The perception has also been exacerbated by all the, what I would call, digital marketing gurus, and I use inverted commas around the word guru, that have sprung up around the digital marketing revolution, particularly from the United States. There'll be an Instagram expert, there'll be a TikTok expert, there'll be a Twitter expert, there'll be a content marketing expert, there'll be an email expert. And they focus, quite rightly, 
on that niche of their expertise. But again, they predominantly talk about a specific marketing communications tactic. It's very rare to hear these people talk strategically because they're obsessed with their particular marketing tactic. Again, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, whether it's LinkedIn, etc. And again, that reinforces the perception that marketing is all about communications tactics. But it's a myth. It's a myth that needs busting. Marketing is so much more than advertising. It's so much more than promotion. Here is what marketing is really all about. Now, I apologize for getting a little bit technical and a little bit complicated here, but the full marketing discipline is as follows. If you were to study marketing in a university degree or an MBA, these are the processes you would go through to put together a marketing strategy. First of all, you'd orientate your thinking around a specific customer need. You'd have a deep, almost obsessive understanding of the customer, and that would require research both qualitative and quantitative research. You would then segment the market and home in on specific target markets of customers. That's called targeting. You'd then come up with a position. Now, this is a technical marketing term. It really means an offer. What is your position in the market compared to other companies doing similar things, compared to competitors? What is your position? And the position is basically saying, this is what we offer, this is what it does, and this is why it's better than our competitors. Then you're going to put together some strategic goals. What are your aims for the marketing strategy? Is it to raise revenue? Is it to increase profits? Is it simply to get people to buy? Is it simply to raise brand awareness? Is it simply to get people to visit your website? Is it to get people to sign up to your email list? Strategic goals, very, very important. Next part of the marketing process is the product, and I guess you could say the service. What is the product that you're selling, whether it's a physical product or an online product? What are its features? More importantly, what are its benefits? What will be the benefit to the customer for buying that product or service? And on the whole, what you're really saying with the product is that the customer has a problem and that product solves that problem. Or another way of putting it is the customer has a need and the product fulfills that need. Once the product is in place, you then need to price it. How much are you going to charge for it? How much profit is involved in that price that you're going to charge? Are you going for a very cheap approach or is it a luxury? Are you going to charge a premium for this product? Then the next stage is the place that this product is going to appear, i.e., how are you going to distribute it? Is it on the website? Is it in a shop? Is it an online catalogue? Is it a showroom? Is it a cafe? Where is your product going to be available for customers to buy? And then finally, finally, we get to the promotion. And this is when we start talking about advertising. This is when we start talking about, is it content marketing? Is it social media marketing? Is it email marketing? Is it adverts on Google, Facebook, Instagram, etc.? Now that I've been through the full marketing strategy process, you can see actually that the promotional parts of marketing are only a small fraction of the entire marketing discipline. Isn't it a shame that we get hung up on this fact? Promotion is very important, obviously, but it's a very small part of the overall marketing discipline. You can't do marketing without doing the research, the customer need, the segmentation, the targeting, the positioning, the strategy, the product, the price, the place, and then the the promotion. 
If you only do the promotion, well, let's face it, the promotional tactics are not going to work because you've not put in the time and the effort and the work on the other parts. Now, admittedly, what I've just been through can sound quite complicated. And perhaps that's one of the other reasons why it can feel easier just to focus on the promotional elements of marketing, because all that other strategy stuff is just too complicated. Well, let somebody else get on with that. But seriously, you need to understand all the components of a marketing strategy in order to make your promotional parts of it successful. However, I do have an easier way of explaining all that academic stuff, and I call it the circle of marketing simplicity. Here are the five steps of the circle of marketing simplicity. Step number one, develop a deep, almost obsessive understanding of your customer. Step number two, create a standout offer, better and preferably different to anything else in the market. In order to get to that offer, you need to answer a couple of questions. The first question you've already answered in step one, who is the customer? Second question, again sort of answered in the first step, is what is their problem? And that means that your offer is a product or a service that solves that problem or meets that need, better and preferably different to anybody else. Step number three, develop some exciting goals. Now, I use the word exciting because, do you know, when I was working in big corporate, I used to get fed up with those smart objectives, with those smart goals. I always found that smart goals sucked the life out of the conversation. Make the goals exciting, make them challenging, but make them something that you can really sign up to and, of course, that you can measure success against. Step four, and here comes the promotional bit, engaging promotions, communications, and content activity. And I use the word engaging because let's face it, these days, so much marketing communications can be annoying. It can be intrusive. It can pop up just when you don't want it to. It can interrupt you whilst you're doing something else. So keep it engaging. Have fun with your marketing communications. And step five, and this is optional, but I think absolutely essential, Consistently put everything you're doing through a simplicity filter. Cut out complicated words. Cut out complicated sentence structure. Cut out complexity full stop. Eliminate jargon. Eliminate management speak and eliminate gobbledygook. There you have it. That's the circle of marketing simplicity. And that's the same as all that academic stuff I went through before. It's just presented in an easier and simple manner. And as you know, I am absolutely obsessed with simplicity. That's what I do. That's how I help people with their marketing. I help people keep things simple. The second marketing truth that I want to have a look at today is this. Marketing is an investment, not a cost. So, of course, the myth I'm trying to bust here is that marketing is a cost, not an investment. And unfortunately, and I've worked in many big corporates where there have been finance directors or chief actuaries that have this opinion. Marketing is a cost, and often marketing is an unnecessary cost. And therefore, when times are lean and people are looking to cut budgets, guess what? The marketing budget is often the first target. The marketing budget will be the one that gets cut first because... The finance people, the high-ups in the business, the people in the C-suite, unfortunately, see marketing as a cost. They don't see it as an investment. Why on earth should this be the case? Well, it's partly as a result of what we were talking about earlier on. Because digital marketing has steered the conversation constantly towards 
promotional tactics because we've seen all of those gurus on stage talking non-stop about things like social media and Facebook and TikTok. And because we've heard nothing other than the fact that marketing is just advertising, this perception embeds itself within the thought processes of people in the C-suite. Unfortunately, they start to see and they start to agree that that is exactly what marketing is. And let's face it, some people might think that Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, etc. Actually, that's a bit fluffy. It's just a bit of fun. It's not going to drive any revenue. It's not going to help us build a business. I've unfortunately heard some people in finance positions just describe marketing as the fluffy department or the colouring in department, purely because we sometimes obsess so much about those communications tactics. The way to get the C-suite and those finance people to start seeing marketing as an investment is to start showing them that we understand the full discipline, the full discipline that I've already explained to you. Because if you can show them that you genuinely have a strategy, you genuinely understand the customer, you genuinely understand the customer need that your product or service is meeting, how it's priced, very important for the finance people, where's the profit margin, where's the revenue? Start giving them these figures. Start giving them that confidence that you have the strategy. And then they'll start to see the return on the investment. And if they can see a return on an investment, that makes that mental shift away from marketing being a cost and it being an investment. I remember early in my career in big corporate getting very frustrated that the finance director just seemed to be an enemy of marketing. He was always wanting to block campaigns. He was always wanting to cut the budget. And I remember bumping into him in the lift one day and actually challenging him on this. And he just turned around and said, well, all you guys seem to do is produce fluffy adverts and colourful brochures. And I just don't see the point in all of this. And the penny dropped. Nobody had engaged the finance director correctly. Nobody had explained to him the strategic process that we'd been through. Nobody had explained to him the goals that we had and the fact that we were genuinely trying to grow the business. We were genuinely trying to drive sales. We were genuinely trying to drive revenue. After that meeting in that lift, it changed my whole perception. Of course, from then on, it was all about getting the finance people on board getting them to understand the strategy, getting them to understand that there were goals as well as tactics. If you can make that transition and they start seeing marketing as an investment rather than as a cost, then sometimes in those downtimes, and let's face it, we're in a bit of a downturn now, you might be able to continue to invest in your marketing where other companies are cutting back. Cutting back because they see marketing as a cost rather than an investment. If you see it as an investment, if you keep investing whilst other people are cutting, that's going to give you the advantage that you need to survive that downturn and to emerge on the other side more successful than your competitors. If you look back in history, you can see the brands that have done this, the brands that have made marketing an investment rather than treating it as a cost. And those are the brands that have survived. Those are the brands that have been advertising during a downturn, promoting during a downturn, developing products during a downturn so that they are on top when things return to a semblance of normality. And the final marketing truth that I want to look at today is as follows. Marketing can be simple. And I guess the myth that I'm trying to bust here is that marketing is complicated. 
I'll give you an example, another one from big corporate. Maybe I should start apologising for all these examples from big corporate. But the situation would always be as follows. Somebody in marketing would put together a sales aid or an advert or a brochure. But to get sign-off, that brochure would have to go through a tortuous sign-off process, which would involve people from legal, people from customer service, people from fine, people from all over the company. Now, all of those people would want to put their own personal stamp on that piece of literature or whatever it was going through that process. And by the time it got approved, it had become bloated. People had inserted complicated language. People had inserted their own personality stamps onto that onto that item of content. And by the time it came back, it wasn't engaging anymore. It might have even lost its sales message. It might have even lost the point that it was trying to make. It would be full of jargon, full of management speak. But that was the only way to get it signed off. And guess what? I've seen so many pieces of literature and content go out in that state. And it doesn't engage the customer and it doesn't make them want to buy your products. Now, this sort of thing doesn't just happen to marketing communications. Remember, I've been saying all the way through this episode that marketing is so much more than just the advertising, the communications. I've seen this happen in the product development process. Somebody comes up with a simple idea, but by the time it's gone through the development process, by the time the IT people have changed it, by the time the legal people have changed it, for whatever reason, it becomes bloated. It doesn't stand out in the market anymore. It doesn't engage the customer. It doesn't make them want to buy. This complexity can infect all parts of that marketing discipline, which I went through earlier on. But one of the things that I've observed in 25 years of doing marketing in companies of all sizes is that those companies that have complicated language in their marketing communications are often the ones that have complicated products, are often the ones that have complicated processes, unengaging processes, unengaging products. In fact, enraging processes. Those companies you just don't want to deal with because everything they do is so annoying and so complicated. Simplicity is so much more engaging, but there's a big problem with simplicity. Simplicity is hard. The reason why so many things are complicated is because trying to be simple takes a lot more time and a lot more effort. I think it was Mark Twain that once said, I apologise for sending you a long letter because I didn't have time to write you a short one. Believe me, it's hard to put together simple communications. It's hard to put together simple products and processes. But ultimately, simple is more engaging. Simple is less enraging. And the more engaging your products are, the more engaging your processes are, the more engaging your communications are, the more likely it is that people are going to do business with you. And because my observation is that it all starts with the language. Here are three tips to start to make your communication style as simple and as engaging as possible. So tip number one, assume the customer or the client knows nothing. Now there is a small risk that if you assume the customer knows nothing, that you might inadvertently come across as patronizing or like teaching granny to suck eggs. But believe me, the majority of people Love the simplicity that comes from assuming the customer knows nothing. So if you're in the financial services industry, don't assume that people know what APR is when it comes to mortgage interest. Don't assume that people know what critical illness cover is. If you're in the motor trade, don't assume that people know what a carburetor is. 
If you assume that people know nothing, that means you have to explain even the basics in the simplest of language. And believe me, if you do that, you'll gain more fans because most people don't understand the things that we take for granted. Second tip is to speak in the language of your customer. Now, every single industry has its own jargon, has its own type of language. It's a bit like going to France. If you don't speak French, you don't understand what people are saying. It can be the case that if you go into a shop for a particular industry or you go to work in a company in a particular industry, it's going to take you time to learn their language, whether it's the language of the motor industry or it's the language of the financial services industry. It genuinely is like learning a foreign language. Until you understand the foreign language, you don't understand what people are saying. But think about it from the customer's point of view. If they don't understand French, for goodness sake, don't talk to them in French. Talk to them in their own language. I always like to think about this as going to the pub and meeting somebody in the pub for a drink. And you just talk in normal language, don't you? You don't use management speak. You don't use complicated sentences. You don't use gobbledygook. If you went into the pub, you'd say something like, I'll go and get us a pint of beer. You wouldn't say, a couple of pints of fermented hops served in fused silicon cylindrical clear vessels will be procured by me for money, for us to imbibe. I mean, your friend would look at you as if you were an idiot, because what are you doing with all that stupid language? But that's what we do sometimes in a corporate environment. We talk like that, and it's ridiculous. Talk in the language of your customers. And the third tip, just abolish the jargon, abolish the management speak, Abolish the mumbo-jumbo, all that stuff about strategic staircases, low-hanging fruit, running things up flagpoles, synergy, paradigm shifts. Stop it with the jargon. Those are the three rules. Believe me, if you can start to nail simplicity in your language, it's the first step to making everything else simpler. Simpler language will eventually seep into simpler products and simpler services and simpler processes. And once you start to embed that simplicity, you become so much more engaging for the customer. So there you have it. Three marketing truths that bear repeating again and again, which is effectively me saying three marketing myths that I hope I've tried to bust again. Now I can see I might have to do another podcast like this again next year and the year after because these myths do tend to hang about. But please do have a think about what I've said. If it resonates with you and you need help, get in touch. I would love to help you with your marketing strategy. The circle of marketing simplicity will help us. I'd love to help you keep things simple in your business. So do please get in touch roger at rogeredwards.co.uk. That's my email. rogeredwards.co.uk is my website. Roger underscore Edwards on Twitter. Let's have a chat and I'd love to help you keep your marketing simple. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Marketing and Finance Podcast. This is the last episode of the Marketing and Finance Podcast for 2022. Thank you so much for listening over the course of the last year. Thank you for your support. I genuinely, genuinely appreciate it. So until next year, until 2023, remember, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business. 
Thanks for listening to the Marketing and Finance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends and colleagues and consider leaving me a review on iTunes. Until the next episode, keep marketing your business to keep growing your business. Thank <laughs> you.